So I cannot wait to see you and to just watch this movie together in theaters uh, while drinking uh, bleach action-flavored Coca-Cola. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> we are going to be, like, seeing shrimp colors in that theater. <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I turn into the sideways eyeball emoji every time Hobbs and Shaw have a conversation. And this week, we return to our favorite Fast and Furious buddy cops in Hobbs and Shaw. Before we discuss uh, Layla's written here, the gay rom-com that paved the way for bros and Fire Island... Hmm... Remember, you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Um, is Hobson's shot secretly the biggest queer blockbuster of 2019? Uh, I do think so, yes. Uh, based on the sheer amount of fan fiction that you found for this film... <laughs> I don't. I think you might be onto something there. Uh, can you can you explain more about that line of thinking? Yeah. So I mean, listen, uh, internet internet people, uh, the denizens of Ao3, they don't need a ton of reason to write fan fiction. Um, I do think they need some reason to get into the the weeds like they have with Hobbs and Shaw. So here's some some sexy statistics for you. Um, there are a total of 238 fics uh, on ho- archiveofourown.org uh, for the pairing of Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. Um, the one with the most likes, ha- kudos, has uh, 1,008 kudos, which isn't like, it's a lot, but it's not record breaking. 462 comments pretty fucking dense uh is that's the one that's been the most commented on the one that really piqued my interest is um the one that has an explicit rating and is sitting pretty at five hundred thousand words and is also not over five hundred and sixty nine thousand words closer to five hundred seventy like let me be clear. So I am like somebody who is a professional writer. Um, I've been writing, trying to be writing to, for publication since 2018. I've written maybe 250,000 words, uh, may, maybe 300,000. This person in their Hobbs and Shaw gave porn fanfic has eclipsed me in their writing output by about 40%. <laughs> Bye. And this fic includes, I will say, original characters of this author's creation, which is excellent extra, extra effort they've put in. And also is it, tagged, what have I done? I'm going to hell. Threesome, foursome, fivesome, moresome, which is a level of mental planning for sex scenes that I don't think... I don't think I could achieve and I live in spreadsheets for a living. I was going to say, you're going to need some sort of, like pipeline planning system to arrange that logistics around that five sum that's too many people's schedules to juggle uh and then 49 of the 200 uh some what did i say 238 total fix 
are porn. Um, they might have some plot, but they involve explicit sexual encounters. That's, by the way, not counting the ones rated mature who could also have some pretty steamy sexual encounters. That's just explicit works. Um, and then there, there's one I want to highlight. Well, there's a couple I want to highlight. Uh-huh. But basically, there is this trend I've noticed in Hobbes and Shaw fanfiction of the ABO dynamic, the alpha, beta, omega uh-huh. dynamic. And... Um, Listen, y'all do you. I do just think it's very funny because they do involve things like nodding and heat cycles. You know, typical fanfic shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know ABO dynamics, um, yeah, it's listen. It's a fascinating. It's a fascinating little subsection of literature, uh, and you should at least know about it um, just for funsies and just to be a more involved denizen of the internet. Um, yeah, so that's. Um, that's a little bit about the Hobbes and Shaw fan fiction that exists on uh, our... Uh, by the way, this is just AO3. So, like, yeah. other websites, Tumblr, like, there could be more. Wattpad, fanfic.net. Oh, yeah. oh Wattpad would have been a great one to check. Yeah. Next time I'll check Wattpad. So, normally, listeners, we don't recommend porn fan fiction to you all, but um, we're going to have to make an exception for this case because there's a lot going on here. And here's the thing. I get it. After watching this movie, I see why it sparked, you know, a half million word fanfic. There's there's some choices made in the Hobbs and Shaw film that go beyond friendly banter to being like a love-hate, like, hate-fuck relationship in a way that I, you know, even as a straight person, like, this is a little much. This is, you. we want to fuck so, each other so bad it makes us both look stupid. Like... <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, I think this movie could have been two movies. I think one of them is the gay Hobbs and Shaw rom-com. I think the other one is uh, Hattie Shaw's standalone <laughs> spy Hattie thriller. Hattie Shaw and her cool curse mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hattie, <laughs> Hattie Uchiha and yes. uh, <laughs> her cool curse mark. Yeah, um, excellent. Uh do you want to give us? Do you want to tell us what happened in short? I mean, so Hobbs's hot sister Hattie um, ba- is working for MI6. Avatar and, Watch. Uh, Avatar Watch. Turuk Makto. I will fly with you. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you think we were going to get right into the topic of our podcast? Oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, no. No, baby. It's Avatar Watch fucking trailer came out we're gonna give you our live reactions right now on air here's the thing i love this shit a lot of this shit i love there's fucking whales with big horns there's big jellyfish they're riding plesiosaurs i do love a good plesiosaur we got weird spider mechas we have teal uh amatakaya or no they're navi amatakaya is the is a tribe Oh, the logo's not in, uh... It's not in Papyrus anymore, no. Papyrus anymore. Uh, regretfully. Um, yeah. Okay. Hey, I have a question. Is it? Is this really gonna be good? <laughs> Here's the thing. No. Uh, Layla, I gotta break it to you. The fundamental core world-building blocks of Avatar are not good. There's a there's a lot of cool, interesting world-building tidbits, but the, uh, you know, the premise, the fundamental core of the movie is, you know, a white guy um, <laughs> gets turned into a native person. <laughs> Um, so I don't think it's going to be good. I do think it will be fun. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, it does look beautiful is the thing. Yes. Um, the lighting is amazing. The CGI, everything looks beautiful. Uh, here's my, my the things I've noticed from watching this trailer live with you just now. Mm-hmm. One, uh, pregnant Nateria again. Gross. Okay. All right. <laughs> Go, We're girl. doing it. We're going all the way. We're going all the way. Wonder, wonder how this is going to go. Biracial uh, children theory still remains intact for me. <laughs> still remains intact. Uh, their teenage daughter does sound exactly like 70-year-old actress Sigourney Weaver. And we which love is that for just, her. It's like, it's like watching Frozen for the first time again, where, like, Idina Menzel's voice should not be coming out of that little, you know... You know, 18-year-old Barbie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, so, unhinged. It's going to be a beautiful movie. It's going to be insane. I think I might cry only because I love the ocean so much. Yes. You know, I'll cry for the for the way of the water. Yes, um, 100%. So, I cannot wait to see you and to, to watch this movie together in theaters uh, while drinking uh, bleach action-flavored Coca-Cola. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> we are going to be like seeing shrimp colors in that theater <laughs> oh my lord oh i can't wait oh my I goodness i cannot wait okay. either thank you all for joining us for avatar watch uh we were going to talk about what hobbs's show was about uh so anyway hobbs's uh hot sister um hattie steals or is is part of mi6 and she is being hunted by idris elba who plays um brixton lore <laughs> or is it brighton it's think, it's whatever. It's, I think I'm it's Brixton. Call, it's Brixton, right? I just I don't know how to say English names. It's Idris um, Elba. Yeah, it's fucking Idris <laughs> Elba. Um, he's he is a, he is a cyborg man. He's literally like half a robot, um, which rules. Um, and basically, he's trying to steal this virus that will kill most of the world if it if it gets just, you know released into the air. Um, so she puts it in her. She she dispenses the capsules in her body. Um, which is a wild thing that happens. Um, yeah, it's just Avengers Endgame for people who are allergic to nerd shit. Avengers Endgame? Isn't that the one where Thanos snaps half the population? Um, that's Infinity War. And then um, Infinity War. So I, Here's the thing. There's um, a Captain America movie called the, uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier, which I thought was a much closer comparison because there's a robotic man <laughs> running around kicking ass. So it's, again, Marvel shit for people who are allergic to Marvel. Yes, yeah. I think you're I think you're correct in that. Um, but basically, Hobbs and Shaw are like, oh, they get, you know, their respective handlers say like, hey, come and clean this up for us. They realize they're working together. They have a lot of banter, like a bad amount of banter, which, you know, verges on the homoerotic um, in, in ways that um, inform the rest of our reading of the film. <laughs> Uh, but they agree to work together. Um, they rescue Hattie. Uh, they realize that she can only get the virus extracted out of her by a specific Russian scientist. Um, so they allow um, her, her to get captured so she can go to him. Um, the Russian scientist is at their base, the bad guy's base. Etion is the agency that Idris Elba is working for. It's basically what Tesla is. It's basically, if Elon Musk could put himself into a computer, that's the director of uh, of Etion. But anyway, that's actually giving Elon way too much credit. Anyway, um, they go to Ukraine to to save her, um, but things break bad. The device that is supposed to extract the virus from her DNA or whatever gets damaged. So 
Hobbs has to bring everybody back to Samoa uh, to reunite with his family that he has been um, displaced from um, for 25 years after he turned their dad in because he kept making them do increasingly dangerous crimes, which is very funny. Um, but then they do like a cool, like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the film Skyfall, uh, that with Daniel Craig, it's a James Bond flick, but they basically do kind of the same thing where they like, they set up like defenses around their house and, um, you know, have like a cool, like Samoan versus, um, these robot guys fight. Um, it's one of my favorite, like combat sequences in the entire franchise because of the way that they do it. Um, but basically, you know, they end up, uh, you know, Hobbs and Shaw finally learn how to work together. Uh, they beat Idris Elba, um, who is subsequently, uh, euthanized by his AI overlord. And, um, then they, uh, all go back home and, um, then Hobbs's adorable daughter gets to meet her grandma. It's great. It is great. It's a fun time. Um, so how, what's your overall like impression of this flick? Like, how do we feel about it? So, um, you know, critics gave this between like a 60 and a 65% rating, which is like, eh, it's fine. Right. And like, I, I actually think this is, I, I don't remember what my ranking was of the fast and Fe- films before, but I would say this is like actually top three. Um, because I think it does kind of exactly what I want a fast movie to do. Um, there's definitely, definitely some stuff that I disagree with. We'll talk about their second act issue. Um, but like, I liked it a lot. I mean, it was, it was fun and I do think it benefited from having a much smaller cast as far as fast films go, because there's only like four major characters, uh, in this movie, and and I think because we were able to zoom in on them and kind of get a little bit more about what they're about, uh, it works a lot better. Um, there are theme, there are like discernible themes besides you know a generic admiration for family in this one, um, which I which I liked. You know, I I had a good time watching this film. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit too long. Like I said earlier, I think it should have yes. been two movies, but like. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. We should note, so, uh, this is not directed by Justin Lin like the rest of the franchise. This movie is directed by, um, a different man whose name I've forgotten, but he has also directed Deadpool 2, which, Uh, David Leach? David Leach. So, when you consider our problem with the banter, it's like, gee willikers. I wonder, (laughs) I wonder where that style comes from. Where did that come from? Uh, up top, how you feel about our, our big boy, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I thought he was great. I think one of my favorite sequences in the movie is the opening where you get to see a side-by-side of him and uh, Shaw yes. Yes. doing their like morning routines. Uh, they're color graded differently. The decor in their apartments is different. What they do is different. It, it's amazing. It is the most odd couple shit I've seen in my life. I love him. I love that he's a good dad. Um... You know, I think, again, some of his banter goes on, like, a little bit too long, and there's, like, a little too much balls talk in this one yes, for me. Yes, so much balls talk. Yeah, I think I could get rid of, like, 60% of the balls talk and still be cool. Um, but, yeah, I thought he was I thought he was great to watch. I liked, uh, I liked his sequences in Samoa, where he gets punched out by his brother. Uh, I like his mom. Yeah, good, good fun time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I come down in a similar place. I mean, firstly, that that side by side bit was just brilliant, just a way as a way to like characterize the two um, men at the same time. Um, you know, showing that they are, you know, in many ways very different, right? Um, we show, we see uh, Shaw, like, making himself, like, an omelet uh, very, you know, uh, carefully. And then we see Hobbs drink, like, literally doing the Gaston thing of drinking, you know, five dozen eggs. Um, like, and then, like, he just goes to the gym, whereas Shaw is just, like, getting a beer or something. Like, we see how different they are, but then, like, at the end of the night, they both go to, like, various uh, places and uh, be ass for for different reasons um it's a very there's a very good bit where Hobbs like goes into a tattoo parlor and starts whooping um, a bunch of um people's butts and like there's like a tattoo artist there um and he she's just kind of there while he's interrogating this guy um and he he, he like winks at her and goes nice tats which she is very um appreciative of um she does like a little coy wiggle mm-hmm. she's like oh thank you it's very good um but yeah, I mean, like, especially the stuff about, you know, I think it is very smart of this movie to zoom in on family, like to not stray too far from like what what the kind of core thematic messaging of Fast and Furious is, which is family. Uh, you know, it does unfortunately involve like bringing out everybody's secret, you know, brothers and sisters and <laughs> and everyone. But like, I do think it is smart to like really center it around um, not only Hobbs as his like relationship with his daughter, Sam, who I think is great. But also like tying it back to his roots as as you know a Samoan person, um, and like trying to actually go back to to the you know the country itself. To be fair, the film it was not actually shot in Samoa; they had to shoot it on Hawaii. Um, but still, like the fact that they are you know trying to make that such a big part. I mean, I think also um, Dwayne Johnson did like produce this movie in many ways, so I'm guessing like he got to write a little bit of that himself. But, like, listen, if you become as famous as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you might as well just be like, yeah, I want to do a fucking, you know, self-insert where me and, like, you know, my my ancestors go kick ass against a bunch of white invaders. Yeah, no, it rules. And also, like, I like the I like the way that they raise the stakes in this one. Or, excuse me, alter the stakes in this one. Um, I just burped in the middle of that sentence. <clears throat> or, excuse me, alter the stakes uh, in this one because, like, to shoot the guns... The evil guys need, like, an activator chip, so, uh, and, and when they arrive on Samoa, uh, The Rock finds out that his mom sold all their guns, and they just have, like, ancestral weapons, so what they do is Hattie lo- hacks in and is able to disable their guns, so everyone's, like, just back to fisticuffs. Um, I did think it that. It rules. Easily my favorite fight sequence, maybe in this entire... Maybe, the only one that I think is better is the one with that um, Indonesian fighter who beats up on... Um, uh, God, I think it's um, Han and... Oh, in... in um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In like, five, I think it's in like in six, six or seven. Six. Six, yeah, it's in one of... Well, yeah, I think six. Um, I think that's still a great fight. But like other than that, I think this is my favorite fight sequence because it is really just like a fucking medieval style like battle where they have like these like... They have pikes and like big clubs uh, and they're just like owning these dudes who are like, well, we can't shoot anymore. I guess we have to hit them with our guns. Um, really fun sequence. Um... You know, uh, moving on to Shaw, I mean, like, these two are, like, pretty difficult to separate because of the ways they interact in this film. They're they're constantly together. Um, But, I mean, I think he is effective. Uh, I think that, like, his relationship with his mom and his sister is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, the buttoned-up former MI6. 
spy. And I do love that it sticks to the formula of, like, villains in this franchise get two movies before they're, <laughs> they're redeemed. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, mm-hmm. both Hobbs and Shaw were villains in the franchise. And then, like, a movie, movie and a half later, all of a sudden, they're with the, with the, the family. Yeah, I think Shaw canonically kills Han, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, he just... It's just like Vegeta, right? Who, you know, used to be a genocidal maniac destroying planets. And then, you know, a couple seasons later, he's just, like, hanging out at the barbecue. We've said before, these movies are just anime. Like They really are, yeah. Anime logic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, he's fun. Uh, but you know who I like better? It's his sister, Hattie, Hattie Rules, um, played by Vanessa Kirby. Very attractive, um... She she is great in this film. She gets um, a lot of very and, fun costume changes too. Yeah, no, she she does great. She has a lot of cool outfits and she looks very um, cool as she's doing a lot of her you know fighting stuff. But also, I think like just as a character, like she she works basically by herself. Like the only times that she doesn't really need uh, Hobbs or Shaw to help her really, like she is fully like a, a, a member of the trio in a way that like you know you know is is nice to see especially because of the ways in which this franchise has historically been like we're gonna put women in peril um rip to elena (laughs) notably uh from the last fast movie we watched um so it is kind of nice to watch hattie just like kind of progress the plot all on her own while her brother and her you know maybe love interest kind of fumble along beside her her brother-in-law okay like listen this movie they try they give the rock and uh hattie some like standalone kind of like pseudo romantic scenes they don't read as effectively as the Hobbs and Shaw banter they just don't no that's the issue right this is when this is the problem of all you know uh, of all all um, media that has two boys and a girl uh, but the media is really about the two boys is that because you focus on the two boys this is your essay this is your word of gay again you you deserve a fucking Nobel Prize for you wrote it gay because of the amount of times that I keep referencing it uh, because I think it is so true that when you don't flesh out your woman character enough, you make it you make it about a, a love interest. You make them the rivals gay for each other because you introduce the like you introduce the um like dynamic of or the idea of romance right like if if you mm-hmm. just made all three of them like buddy cops i think it would read differently right you you'd have less to read into but mm-hmm. because they introduced the idea of romance i'm like mm, no you've put it on the brains now and that's why there's a half a million words on ao3 about these two very large men um, like, listen, th- it's not like this movie doesn't have fluff. It's, you know, at over two hours long. But, like, I would say at least, like, maybe three solid minutes of it are banter between Hobbs oh, and Shaw. ten. Oh, God. Like, it just goes on and on. And they talk about each other's balls. They talk about how stupid they are. They stop about how, you know, ugly the other is, how much they hate them, how much they want to kick each other's asses. Um, the scene and, where like, they meet in the glass box, t- it is shot like Pride and Prejudice. It is close-ups on hands. It's, like, increasing physical proximity. I'm mm-hmm, like, you mm-hmm. guys are shooting Mr. and Mrs. Smith now. Yeah, like it's it's a little it's a little bit like come on, y'all y'all know you're. I mean, clearly the you know they they don't want that dynamic, but like they are inadvertently creating it, which makes it even better. Yeah, it makes it a hundred times funnier. Um, but yeah, Hattie rules. She's very hot. Uh, I like all her fight sequences. I like that she does everything better and in heels. Um, yeah. Uh, so Idris Elba, Brixton Lore. Um, 
like the coolest interaction with a motorcycle since Akira. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Do I think that Brixton is the best villain in the Fast franchise? I would say no. I think that the woman who shoots Elena is probably better. Yeah, Charlize um, Theron. Yes. However, Brixton is the coolest villain in the Fast franchise. He's the most memorable to me, certainly. Um, because yeah, he is a Selba. robot man. It's Idris Elba as a hot cyborg. Also, yes, it's Idris fucking Elba. Um, it, it's so good when they, like, show people, like, trying to punch him. And, like, we see, like, the, his, like, HUD, like, fucking tactical analysis come up. And it's, like, threat detected, you know, uh, priority alert. And, like, he's just, like, owning them. He's just, like, I just love to see. Like, listen, I know that it's, like, common knowledge that people like Bruce Willis and um, The Rock like have things in their riders that they can't like lose a fight um but like he Hobbs gets his ass kicked by Idris Elbra several times in this movie and I I really appreciate like seeing somebody just own Hobbs because it it makes it just you know it actually adds weight to the the battles there are some like very fun slow motion punch shots that happen and uh, to both Hobbs and Charlize. Yeah, I did notice that also. I was like, wow, without that weird clause where, like, Vin Diesel can't lose a fight and therefore The Rock also can't lose a fight. Um, damn, right? Like, it, it really changes the dynamic of the film when when your, your good guys can, like, get their asses whooped, especially by... I think it's really smart to make Idris Elba a cyborg because it doesn't have any implications for how strong and tough they are in the main franchise. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, only a cyborg can do that kind of damage to them. So when we mm-hmm. get back to the main franchise and we're fighting regular people, you know, you're not breaking your own lore. I- I'm still not convinced that Charlie's Throne isn't just going to start, like, shooting lightning bolts out of her fingers. Like, we either go to space or aliens or we go to magic. Like, I don't know where else this franchise can expand to. <laughs> Um, so we'll see how that goes when we watch nine, but, um, <laughs> which is next month. Very, very, yes. very timely. Yes. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Idris Elba does a great performance. Like you said in your notes, he's just like a sexy, confident dude who just shows up. He's like, I'm the bad guy. Um, and like, he has a, he has a motivation that does not make any sense to me at all. Like no. he somehow betrayed Shaw, but like t- to work for Etion, this weird tech corp, but, like, it doesn't fucking matter. He's just there, uh, and then he answers to a weird robot overlord. Uh, like I said in my notes, everyone should get to be a little bit evil and a little bit sexy. I agree. Um, notes on the Hobbses? I love them. I'd, I'd kill for his mom. I would do violent crimes for that mother. She threatens everybody with her slipper. I did cry a little bit when uh, Sam, his little daughter, shows up and hugs her grandma at the end. Thought that was very nice. Also, yes. uh, I am pro any battle scene where uh, 50 really, really hot, large Samoan men are shirtless. It was really good. They, like, um, they, they, the second, they, like, when they deactivate the guns and all the, the mercs are like, oh, hey, what's going on? The rock leads them all in a big haka. Um, and, like, they all, you know, ra- raise their weapons up and then they go into battle. And just, it's really, really cool. Like, like, you know, this is a franchise known for stunning shots and like big, you know, bombastic uh, action sequences. But I thought that shot was like more affecting than like 90% of the stuff in the franchise just because it was like genuinely born out of a genuine love for for the Rock's culture. Um, you gotta you gotta give it up. Like he's wearing a sarong. It's so cool. 
Yeah, and then he does a quick change into slacks and a t-shirt. This is <laughs> he does go and put a shirt on, which is a very funny. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, uh, the Shaws. Uh, I would do Crimes for Queenie, which is uh, not a big ask because she would ask me to. Um, gosh, who plays her? Helen Mirren. Actress. Helen Mirren. Yeah, that's right. You know, she's great. All she wants is she's she's very much a mom in this one. She's just like, I just want you to reconcile with your sister, Gov. Um, and like at the very end, they do, and it's great. And they they give her a cake that has a has a metal file in it. No, uh, it has C four in it. What? She didn't want the file. She wanted C four. Oh, she wanted the C four. Yes, and then um, th- it is implied that the three of them murder everybody else in the prison, which is really funny. Um, uh, and then um, yeah, she's great. Um, there is a brief sequence with like a person who quote unquote robs Russian mobsters, uh, Margarita. Any thoughts? She's hot. She's hot. I oh. They did have maybe the funniest sequence in the movie for me, which is um, Hobbs uh, and Shaw and Hattie um, all go to, like, meet with her to get their guns or whatever. Um, And she immediately greets uh, Deckard by making out with him for, like, five seconds. And there's a pan to Hattie's face, which is just open mouth horrified. And it's like, yes, that is what be that's a sibling reaction. That is what it's like. Thank you for getting siblings right. Yeah, uh, listen, as far as I'm concerned, my brother is going to stay 16 forever and will never marry or date or touch another human being. That is just, mm-hmm. that. that is how I protect myself mentally. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the director is a spooky, spooky computer presence. So do you, who do you think the director is? Oh, I could not tell you. It's somebody who knows The Rock. Yes, yeah, so it's implied they know The Rock. I think the director is like, you know the, um, what was the program in the mainline franchise? The the Eye of God? Oh, yeah, God's yeah, Eye. I think the director is like God's Eye g- gained sentience and became like an Ultron and now is just like trying to kill The Rock. Oh, that would be fucking nuts. <laughs> I um, want that to be true so bad. <laughs> Same. Yeah, okay, I'll buy into that. Uh, and then the other honorable mentions I want to throw in, uh, Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds are in this movie. Yeah, oh, fuck, I forgot to bring that up. Yeah, Kevin Hart and fucking Ryan Reynolds are in this movie. So Ryan Reynolds is actually very funny in this movie because he keeps insisting that The Rock and him are best friends. And The Rock hates his... They make the CIA look very stupid in this movie, which is very good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, and then uh, there is uh, Kevin Hart who takes part in the longest and worst banter scene like the, I, that plane scene did not need to be happening could have been entirely the entire plane sequence could have been thrown out a window it was bad it's so bad it literally only served to introduce kevin hart and his only function was to fly them out to samoa they did not need to explain how they got from the ukraine from ukraine to samoa they don't do it for anything else so yeah, I didn't need that explanation. We literally could have gotten the CIA agent that got Shaw, who was the more competent one, or Ryan Reynolds to get him that charter. Or Margarita, who or was established, Margarita. has connections, so... Well, she did betray Shaw. She did? She sold them out to Idris Elba in that scene. I not, I don't remember anything that That's, happened. <laughs> okay, it was a bombastic movie full of hot people. Yeah. Yeah, I okay, that makes sense. Well, uh, I guess that's why they had to increase fucking Kevin Hart for some reason. Yeah, but. though Kevin Hart, you know, he knew what movie he was in. He put his whole hardesy into it. Pussy into it. <laughs> uh, see, uh. I can't even. So yeah, we keep watching uh, some some 
friends and I keep watching Chef Club videos together. And I'll tell you, we've discovered that the meat-based ones are the worst ones. They're the worst offenders. Um, they we did watch one yesterday where they take like a like a big old steak and they cut it in half and then they put a bunch of cheese in the middle and it's not properly cooked obviously because it's Chef Club, um, but the cheese is like dribbling out from the middle of the 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 fucking steak and we just called it the chussy and now I. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> get to live through that with me now. Cool. Thank you for that. You're so welcome, um, bestie. Yeah. Um, we already talked about how the banter, because they, they focus too much on it, makes it inherently uh, homosexual. Um, but I do want to talk about... So this this was a problem, I think, in at least a, many other Fast films, um, where the second act just drags. Um, and I'm wondering... Um, because this this is the thing, too. Like they, they invade the base, and there's a very long action sequence... And, you know, it's a fine action sequence. There's a cool bit with a flamethrower that I thought was great. But, like, other than that, I was pretty bored by it. Um, and, like, uh, you know, th- this could have been, you know, maybe a 10-minute sequence. And it was, you know, an hour-long <laughs> sequence. Um, and I'm wondering, is that on purpose? Like, Layla, I-, I suspect you know a little bit more about production and development. Not necessarily in movies, but, you know, in, in games, as-, as that's your career. Um, but, like you know when you're when you're thinking about a franchise like this like are they intentionally stuffing it with like just action sequences because that's what they they believe audiences want i couldn't honestly those action sequences are so expensive right they are they are such budget eaters that i i just i don't know why they're in there i just i feel like these movies just need like a storyboard pass like an extra one to just go through and make sure shit flows well because i don't think that the action sequences are the act two problem i think all the exposition we get are the act two problem i feel like they just Mm. take all the exposition and they put it all in act two because act one has to be all the like character entrances i think we need a little more exposition in act one and a little less in act two you could trim down some of the banter and then it would be a perfect film no notes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just like yeah I, i i think you're right right it's just Oh, they they are so heavy um and like the the worst part was was like like you said right we we checked like at the end of this act two like action sequence and it was like wait there's still an hour left in this movie that was not necessary in any way um you know i i would i really wish we could have you know maybe cut that that sequence down into like a like a 10 minute like okay hey they 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 got the device but then they have to go do something else um that being said like if i was the person who was writing these films and i was like okay we are expected to do x number of action sequences um sure we'll just we'll just do a bunch of dumb shit here um and it'll be fine it's just you know that's what act two is for it's for having fun and dicking around so here we go yeah but when you think about see this is this is where i get into like weird territory because when you think about filming an action sequence that's that is so much planning you have yeah. to make sure the location is secured. You have to make sure your stunt doubles are secured. You have to make sure that there's, like, massive insurance implications on those days of shooting. You There's a massive production implication on those days of shooting because, because you have to communicate all this information. You have to make sure that everyone is exactly where they need to be at the moment where they need to be. You are not reshooting most of these scenes. So if there's CGI involved and there's CGI involved, you have to make sure that things are shot in the way that cgi needs it to be shot um so it's just like i 
I truly like couldn't even begin to tell you what happens in those rooms because so much planning and so many checks go into making these sequences and they're so long and so expensive. It, I, that's probably why they're hesitant to cut them mm-hmm. because you sit down with a bunch of execs in a room and it's like, okay, well that, that motorcycle jump costs us, I don't know, I'm throwing out a number, $50,000, like, you know, you're, you're not going to want to cut that and leave that on the cutting room floor. So I'm wondering right, if that's part right. of it. But yeah, no, these are the fucking second act drags every time. I don't remember the the one in the next one dragging though. I I do think Fast Nine is a perfect movie. No notes. I'm gonna stand by that. I'm gonna see how I feel when we okay. watch it next month. Okay, I hope I hope you're right because I have been like very very interested in seeing how this how this whole thing wraps up. So I I am looking forward to Fast Nine next month. We're um, gonna find out. I'm hoping I'm not overhyping it, but we're gonna find out. Um, that said. Um, there are a couple of post-credit sequences in this movie, which I think is new for the franchise. Um, not like super new, and there's obviously like like little teasers um, in some of them. But it got me thinking, you know, Layla, if you could add a fun, inconsequential post-credit sequence to a film or video game, mm-hmm. what would it be? Ooh, inconsequential. So by that I mean like. You know, it does not affect plot, but it's much more about characters, um, right? Because the one in here is, like, there's one where Hobbs um, pays back Shaw for giving him a fake passport, which was named, what, like, Mike Oxmall, right? Uh, so it's like, haha, it's like a dick joke. And then he's like, ha, your name is Huge Anus now. Ha ha ha, got him. It's very silly and doesn't affect the plot at all. But, like, yeah, something, something, something that's more character-focused that's just kind of for fun. So... I want to take you back to when I made you sit through uh, the Nietzsche Bible-based JRPG mm-hmm. trilogy Xenosaga. God, um, that was this year, wasn't it? <laughs> so I would want some scenes, uh, post-credits, where Cosmos is hanging out in the lab with the professor because I think she's like assistant number two to him. And I want his other assistants like teaching her how to do just like stupid shit. I want to watch this battle cyborg learn how to make a spreadsheet or, like, titrate something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a good time for me. And then I would want uh, somebody of the main cast to walk in on this and ask her to do something more priority. And then she would be like, no, I'm already engaged in this task. <laughs> I think that would make me happy. <laughs> that would be very funny. Um, I think I would do just, like, a small sequence from Hades, the super giant game where um we like get a scene of megara and thanatos both like watching zagreus like throw himself at like the the bone hydra or something and they're just like this motherfucker's so stupid yeah he is i want to fuck him so bad <laughs> same <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> something yeah. like that something like that uh i would also like um I w- <laughs> I would also enjoy a sequence of Kingdom Hearts with the the fairies planning out Sora's new outfits and fighting over the amount of belts. <laughs> yes, actually, that would kick ass. That would be great. <laughs> that would be really fun. Um, so yeah. Oh, God. Well, Layla, uh, when we are not uh, trying to justify the amount of belts in Kingdom Hearts, um, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Um, I'm staying on Twitter till, till it fucking lights a flame. Um, I've curated my experience on there pretty good, so, you know, we're chilling. If you, I am also on co-host. I don't know if I'll ever use it, but I did secure my handle, so if you want to follow me at same at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on there, that's fine. 
Uh, Tumblr's always a safe bet, so, you know, you can find me there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a little bit now. Uh, I'm mostly just sick most for, like, a month now, so, you know. Come watch me post pictures of toast. Aaron, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL. Also co-host, because I'm afraid of what has happened <laughs> in the past week. Um where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. Um, I just released a YouTube video at AA Voigt on YouTube uh, about the tabletop game Beak, Feather, and Bone um, and how it interacts with maps and the history of cartography and how that's political. I think it's probably the best essay I've done all year. So please check that out. I'm very proud of it. Um, you can also listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys, uh, where me and my ex-evangelical friends talk about Christian media um, and we just wrapped up our spooky season, so please check out any of those episodes. They were great, and it's the only time of the year I watch good movies, except for uh, on this podcast, where I also watch good movies, I suppose. The only time I watch good movies is because my friends recommend them to me, <laughs> is how it goes out. Uh, otherwise, um, I just sit in my garbage. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit, Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla... How should we uh how should we close this one out? Oh, Aaron, every time you speak it's like dragging my balls across shattered glass. Oh, there's nothing subtle about you. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.